You know, we want to see how far we could hit a golf ball off a three-foot tee with a frying pan on the end of a six-foot shaft. Answer's about 400 yards. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, you know, that's good to know, guys. How's it help us? And they go, we don't know. Welcome to another Fits with the Founder. I'm your founder, Nick. Cassie? Yeah, I'm here. Beep, 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 beep. So we're going to be a couple days late to this news, kind of. When we're recording this, we're not. We're no, right on top of it. Yeah. Um, we're right on top of the Live and PGA Tour news. Uh, although you're going to hear our takes a couple days after the fact. Um, but, I mean... Thoughts. We are where we are. Thoughts. Yeah. In case any of our listeners are somehow unaware, Liv is merging with PGA Tour and DP World Tour. So it'll all be one conglomerate golf tour, if you will. Um, I mean, let's start with your thoughts. <laughs> so my thoughts were is I think I've I think we could go back through these episodes and I can say I thought that they would merge. Yeah, you did. It just makes complete sense to me. Um, basically life's a bell curve and they lived on two ends of the bell curve and eventually you end up in the middle of a bell curve. So, like, it just made sense. They had the money. The PGA Tour didn't. Yeah. PGA Tour had the players. The Liv didn't. Yeah. It just makes sense. Like, yep. is Jay Monahan a huge piece of shit? <laughs> Absolutely a huge piece of shit. I will go on record. I would say it to his face. You've said it more than once on record. <laughs> yeah, he is. And, and I, I, there's nothing to be apologetic about it. And honestly, I don't think he expects you to be. No. I think he knows the super villain that he is. Yeah. And, you know, I think his actions have spoken for that. Should this whole thing have been handled differently from the beginning? Yes. A hundred and ten percent. Yeah. But let's not act like money don't talk because money always talks. For sure. And, you know, people get on their high horse and go, oh, my moral high ground and this, that and the next thing. Again, I will contend that till the day, you know, I will just always contend that you can say whatever you want in life. Money talks. Yep. Um, luckily for me, I'm not a, I'm not involved in all of this stuff, so I can be on my moral high horse. <laughs> well, uh, yes, you can. But if I walk through that door and said, here's a hundred million dollars cash, your brain would be, oh, I'd be thinking about You'd it. You'd be conflicted yeah, I'd be thinking like about it. no other. Yeah. And it's, but that's why I said, because I'm not involved in it and because this is not something that impacts like my financial bottom line at all, I can be the person that's like, well, now the biggest investor. Can you though? Can you? Yeah. Like that's can. where I disagree with folks. Like, you know, people get in there and they're like, Nick, I can't believe you don't have a stronger opinion towards the moral high ground on this one. And I'm like, again, I, I I could see both. I could walk in both of these shoes and say, I get it. Sure. Like, I understand it. I am not going to judge you. Now, I can judge your actions of what you do with it. Like, that's why I can call Jay Monahan. I feel a piece <laughs> of shit because he I believe I don't, I, his actual like outcome. I don't disagree with. Sure. The way he got there is what I disagree with. It was shiesty. It was shiesty. Yeah. Like he could have. You could have wrapped this thing all up in a bow and made it really pretty for everybody. Yeah. But you just decided to just, <laughs> here it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And you're going to like pick fights with some of your biggest players and all that stuff. Like this was just messy. This has been like a messy six months for no reason. He didn't even try to walk back like his past transgressions. No, he, and his quote just, yesterday was He's crazy. like, well, I did what I did with the information I had. Bullshit. Right. No. No. That's maybe, but that just means you're dumb, dumber than I even thought you were. <laughs> so that's. 
not helping your case. Yeah. Sure. You maybe you plead ignorance. Maybe that's what you're going to do. But. Maybe. I don't know. I, so I think from a business standpoint, I think set aside the money talks element, right? Like I think f it makes sense to, to merge these tours just because of broadcasting and fans and events and how you are doing world ranking points and Ryder cup and all this stuff. So like set aside the money, set aside the Saudis and the moral implications of it. Like, I actually think this is the way that it makes sense. It's just tough for me to be like now the number one investor in the PGA tour is the Saudi Arabian public investment fund. Like that sure. freaks me out. Sure. Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess I get it. It could freak people out, but like, I look at it like this. There are pretty much everything we come in contact with in totally, life today. Totally. And so, and, and, and let's not forget, this is just golf. The number yeah. one thing in my life, but it's just golf. Yeah. Right? Well, and they're involved in tennis. They're involved in soccer. But also we were looking like one of the articles about this was like CNBC is actually the one that broke it, which I want to talk about that in a second, too, because people within the industry are pissed. But I'll get to that in a second. Um, CNBC broke it and there were links basically about the public investment fund. And when you look at the list of shit that they're involved in, like you wouldn't even Dairy Queen, Uber, oh, Geico. Yeah. Uh, like it's and mind you, they're not like the number one investor in those things. Like they're not and as widely what makes involved. It, here, here's what I'm asking this question. Okay. And then I'll give my opinion, but I just interested. What do you think it is that people have a problem with the Saudis being invested? I feel yeah. I can like the, the, for me, that's two things. One, it's the, the violence towards their population and like they've killed journalists and all that stuff, but also the way they treat women. Okay. Like that's my so, personal thing. So in, in, in pass. Okay. So most of the world's population or culture or whatever, I, I'm going to say this all wrong, but here's what it is. I'm asked to be tolerant towards others. Sure. Okay. When, when my beliefs don't match their beliefs, I'm asked to be tolerant of others. That's, that's what we're taught. Um, it's screamed at me all the time. You need to be tolerant of these people. Yet when something doesn't match our beliefs, we instantly then be can, can become intolerant. It's okay. So we can be tolerant towards certain things and intolerant towards other things. And to me, that's always been a conflict in which I don't understand. But I mean, like there's a line in the sand. So like we'll use the United States for an example. Like you have freedom of speech. You have freedom of all of these things until it infringes upon someone else's rights. So like, yes, you can be tolerant of what they do, but they're literally killing people. Like they're sure. infringing upon other and that's people. Every <laughs> country outside of the United States. Every country, but yes, there's there are a others. lot of them. There are others. Oh, yes. more than there are that don't. Whether you know it or not, more than are than don't. And so that's my point: is Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. Right, but we're talking about stuff that's happening in 2023, not well, 1941. Well, like, well, <laughs> like the no, Saudis are no, killing people right now. That's like, different. Why is like, it different? What do you mean, why is it different? Because in the same way that we're not judging Disney based on 1941 Walt Disney because they've made strides to become a better company. I'm not saying they're great. They're and, also and in bed with the, the Saudis. we don't know the Saudis haven't made strides in their thousands of years of being on They killed honor. an American journalist like three years ago. Okay. <laughs> they killed one journalist. <laughs> that's not the only person they've killed. Like, that's just the big My one. My point is, is that like... I'm not defending the Saudis. Yeah. I'm defending how we think is like a civilization. It makes no sense to me. You cannot bring peace without making strides in a direction. Sure. To me, listen, this story hasn't written just like history hasn't written any every uh, history will never be written. Right. It's just a moment in time. And so we've decided we've gotten over certain things with certain conflicts that we've had with certain countries sure. in the past. If you're not working towards getting to the next level, then you're never going to get there, right? That's my opinion, one. So glass half full, glass half empty for me. This is a good move to create a stronger alliance with a different country. Now, 
it, there's two people in this fight. There's two people that have to make this work. It's, it's, a, it's a marriage, right? So if they continue to not progress as what we see as our moral high ground is the United States or whatever it is, then I agree with you. And history will be the one that tells that, okay? Mm-hmm. We'll probably be dead before we know it, okay? <laughs> but what I will say is, is to sit there and say, I have a problem with the Saudis because of what they did in the past and I will not work with them in the future, to me is just so like, that's the problem. Like, and we don't, it is, it's just, it's the problem. Like, they, they, I don't believe in my hearts to hearts that they have any ill intention with golf. What are they going to take over the world with golf? Like, okay. No, but it's called sports washing for a reason. Like that's what they're doing in soccer and tennis and everything. They're trying to make themselves seem more oh, essentially maybe morally equal better. than they maybe are. Maybe they're trying to get out of the bad situation. I don't know. They're investing in the WWE and women aren't allowed to go to those events unless their husband or caretaker is there. And that's right now. That's so, religion. Like, and you know what? Maybe that'll change. Maybe it won't. I, I mean, know. seems unlikely. It, well, it takes a lot longer in a religion to change than a human race to change. Sure. That's I don't been disagree proven that. over history's shown that. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I'm Catholic and, you know, we had a lot of issues with certain things and, you know, over time we've evolved, but that's my point is, is if you don't give them that platform to do it again, history will define this thing. I'm just not willing to sit there and sit on any, I can sit there. 9-11 was the worst thing ever. Yeah. If I was of the age or whatever that I could have gone and fought for my country, I would have done it. Sure. I would have done all these things. Right. But like, this is to your point, this is 2023. Like to me, it's not that big of a deal. It it brings two superpowers together. It brings two powers, I guess, together. Sure. You got money and you got the thing. And now you can create a super league. And this this make this could make the next soccer. You mean in sen- in the sense of making it an international? Yes. Okay, gotcha. I mean, it already cash was international, cow but yeah. world game. You know, bring people to it. Like to me, I mean, just look. You got to admit when you watch live, like the United States, it was what it was. Mm-hmm. But you went. They went to Australia, murdered it. Went to Singapore, murdered it. You know, all these was a Singapore time. Whatever they went. Yeah. No. They. Did a world um, tour. But yeah. point is, is. The, the international crowd is hungry for this. I think there's a novelty to it. I don't know if it has long lasting hunger, but yes, I think. Well, I do. I'm, I'm curious to see how they combine all of this well, stuff because find. Jay Monahan said, he's like, we're going to take some of the elements of live, including team sport. Like he specifically called out the team. Do we want to talk about what our thoughts are on that? On the teams? What, what, our, what our hot take and see if it comes true in the future. Oh, geez. <laughs> My future. Here's what I believe. I believe the PGA tour becomes uh, just like a general league. Okay. Sure. Almost like a uh, a second level corn fairy. It's going to be where you have just the guys trying to make it right. Sure. Good names, not great names. And then you're going to have the elite league, which is going to be whatever the top 30, 50, you name it. Maybe it goes to 75. I don't know, but you're going to have that. And basically that's going to go, they're going to be the best and they're going to have these huge tournaments. And it's, that way, the guys like Rory, Dustin, all them, they play once a month and they play for a shitload of money all over the world, just beating each other's brains in, which I'm a huge fan of. That I, would get me watching more golf again. So I actually think the reverse from, so I'm just thinking from a marketing standpoint, I actually think the reverse would be true just because if I'm golf channel or whoever is going to carry, you know, the broadcast, I want those guys on more often than that. So if, if my, like, this is probably a hot take or whatever, but 
the way that I would prefer this to work if they're going to do it is basically take all the stuff and basically combine all of it. So adjust your, your tournament schedule. So still have your majors and do all that stuff, but swap out some of the boring tournaments for these team style, like basically, you know, five events a year, kind of like live that kind of thing, but it would still be the same schedule where they're required to be in X number of events. If they want a player impact payout at the end of the year, that kind of stuff, because if I'm an advertiser, if I'm golf channel, like if Rory's playing once a month, like what the fuck? We get more eyeballs. I would contend you'd get more eyeballs by doing that than doing it every week. Maybe. And, here, and here's why. Here's why I'm on the other side of the coin on that. I'm golf's number one thing in my life. I think we all know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I love golf. I watch very little golf. I follow it. Like sure. I have my score app open and I look at the leaderboard on during tournament days and sure. see who's up there. But actually being able to sit down and watch golf, I think life has become very difficult to do that. Like that's fair. I don't think it, cause especially cause it's not a prime time sport. Mm-hmm. So like I have time at night to watch a basketball game or a baseball game, but like during the day on a Saturday or Sunday, I don't think a lot of people have that. Sure. And I think COVID's also changed that where like we've moved people to doing things, more activities again. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think that's why some of the viewership is down because who's going to sit down on the couch on Saturday afternoon and watch golf anymore. I'm sure there's people that do, but if I do, it's because I'm having a beer after the round and I'm just watching two holes and I'm going home. Right. And then I don't turn it back on. I'm doing something else. So I think like, but I will sit down and watch a major because yeah, well, that's different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's like the yeah, Super Bowl. That's you my watch point it. Is, if I, had, if I was like, Oh shit, they're playing this super duper great golf course in whatever New Zealand. And it's the top 50 in the world. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to sit down and watch. Sure. That. So I don't know. And I, I will see. It's going to be interesting. I, again, I, at the end of the day, players can be betrayed and they should feel betrayed. Well, Rory okay. in particular, like staked his whole reputation on this. And then Jay Monaghan yeah, was like, suck he changed it. his tune in the last two months. I think he was in on this to a degree. I think there's, I think there's more people in on this than what is being portrayed. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So we had a lot of players. So we're recording this on a Thursday. This all broke on Wednesday and we literally pushed this recording. So that way we could have a little bit more information. And there were a lot of even live players like Bryson and, and everybody. They're like, oh, I, I woke up and found out about it this morning. And then there were journalists saying like, oh, I found out about it on Twitter and stuff like that. So there was. I do think there are more people involved in it, especially on the PGA tour side. And yeah. they probably needed to bring Rory in because they needed to be like, Hey, this is, I think happen. Rory knew. I think <laughs> like, Tiger knew. I bet probably. you there was a couple others that knew. I don't, you know, their whole thing about Greg Norman, not knowing, I don't know. He's I, not on the list. Did you see the list of like officials? I get He's it. He's not on the list. I get it. Yeah. I still think he was in on it. Oh, for sure. No, no, no. He was for sure yeah. in on it, but and they're not I, maintaining I think, him. Listen, look at his age and how much his worth is. People yeah. forget, like, he was a billionaire before he got into this. Like, he has a lot of industry behind him. Sure. So, I think his deal was, I want to do this little two-year stint, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, whatever it, Maybe was. they didn't think it was two years, but I'm going to do this stint with Liv. Yeah. I'm going to get to poke the knife a little bit into the PGA Tour, and I'm going to walk away with a bunch of money, and I'll just sunset the hell out of this thing. Yeah. And Rolling I, your piles of money. Dude, he is... Greg Norman for what he is. I don't know him as a person, sure. but what he portrays himself as is, is kind of an asshole. I think if he was betrayed in any manner, he would have been, he would have been out there yesterday going against these folks. 
It depends I, on, you said money talks. It depends on how much money they gave him. That's my point. Yeah. Like, he didn't care. Yeah. He didn't get in this. He got in to get his little stick. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he knew exactly what he was in it for, which was the money. Mm-hmm. He got the money and ran. Now he can go hang out on his big yachts <laughs> and, you know, play Never golf. Never play golf again professionally. Yeah, I mean, like, not professionally. Yeah. Nothing. He was going to do it. So my point is, is like, I, I think there was way more behind the scenes to this than people that are admitting to maybe. And, um, you know, I, I honestly think they wanted, I think again, I didn't like Jay before the whole thing. Sure. So to be honest, I don't like many commissioners, sports league commissioners. Maybe it's because I'm a hardcore sports fan, but most of them, you know, yeah. you sit there and poke fun at, and you look at it it's like, if this is my business, would I do it differently? Sure. But mm-hmm. you know, everybody's a around. Monday morning quarterback all the time. I do yeah. think this one though, he just from the get go, like I would have never taken the moral high ground at the beginning like he did. Oh, my God. Well, especially because he knew there was always going to be an opportunity for this. Like no business. A hundred percent. No businessman like, was looking at that and being like, well, that's never going to happen. That's where I'm saying he just was like made a huge mistake. But anyway, I, I'm like I said, I still think at the end of the day, all these players, they can be pissed off. They can be whatever. Three years from now, no one's going to give a flying F. Uh, probably not because they're all going to make a ton of money. Yeah. The PGA tour didn't have the money to do this, to do what the players wanted. The play, they were a nonprofit organization, the PGA tour. Yeah. They're for profit. That's the other thing is now it's a for profit. For profit. Well, yeah. the PGA tour stays nonprofit, but because this other entity, mm-hmm. they can make a profit and it's going to be even squirrelier. It's going to be interesting Wild, to see how yeah. that whole thing works out. But I guess to my point is, is like, I just don't think at the end of the day, people two, three years are going to be like, holy shit. Everybody was like, Tiger Woods brought all this money to the PGA. We make so much more money now. You just went up another ring of the ladder. with Sure. And, you know, if I'm a PGA Tour player, yeah, I can be pissed at the moment. If I'm Wills Altars and I pass up $130 million to join Liv. But you know what? Do I feel bad for him? I don't know. I don't. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> I, don't. I mean, I don't. I don't either because, you know, it's funny. Have you ever read? Uh, there was a nurse that did a study. Um yeah, I always think it's interesting. Do you ever think about when you're going to die and, you know, yeah. what your feelings are on always, your deathbed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think most people do, right? So there's a study out there, uh, a nurse did. So she went out and, you know, obviously she was at the end of a lot of lives and she would ask a series of questions to people dying. You know what the number one thing people said on their deathbed? That so I'm sure it has something to do with money, that didn't, they weren't, no? Well, okay. you could tie it to money. Like that they weren't so obsessed with money that they'd enjoyed their life. More. Yeah, well, no. Close. That was actually like three. Yeah. So, but it's tied to money. They go, I wish I did what I wanted to do instead of what I expected others of me to do. Gotcha. And so I think that's always interesting is like, you know, when you're put in this situation where somebody's handing you a bag of money, right? Mm -hmm. Will Zalatoris in his hearts to hearts has to tell me with his eyes to my eyes that he did that because he believed that. There's a chance. Or did he do it because he was afraid of what others expected him to do? And so I sat there and go, so that's where I'm different. Like I took, whenever I hear that, I go, you can be as mad as you want at me for taking a hundred million dollars. But at the end of the day, the only person that matters are me and my family. 
right? Yeah, but I do think when you're at that, so like Tiger and we'll put Will aside because he's too new to this, right? But Tiger and Rory, I do genuinely think because both of them were offered the opportunity to go to live and Tiger was offered nearly a billion dollars to do it. I do genuinely think that they could look you in the eye and be like, I didn't want to. No, well, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, like there are definitely some people. So I'll give you another now, that's example. That's a different part where money talks on the other well, side. Because they already had money. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. They were already so what hurt, they just, all they're doing by signing up for that is getting more money that they're not going to spend. Yeah. And then number two, dealing with all the blowback of doing it. Not only that, but I, I do think. And it kills their legacy. It for, for sure for Tiger. I do think, and this is a different kind of comparison. If one of our competitors came to me today, like yeah. a true spec came to me today right. and was like, I will double your salary. Right. I'm so hard into drinking the club champion Kool-Aid that I wouldn't be able to do it because I'm brand loyal to a fault. Right. Like they it. probably felt that way about this, where it's like, you guys are trying to dismantle the PGA tour, which is what I cut my teeth on. Like, fuck you guys. Uh, I get it. A hundred million dollars to me though. is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Again, money. again, I'm with you and I, I'm totally there. Like, Doubling a salary <laughs> is one thing, a hundred million dollars. Yes. And that's what I've tried to tell people from the get go. Like I'm not mad at anybody that takes a bag of money, yeah. <laughs> but it's gotta be a bag. Like well, in Tigers like, would have been, it was like $900 million right. or whatever. But again, it's the bag on top of what you have. So yeah. like, you know, Dustin Johnson wasn't hurting. You're right. Right. But 250 million bucks. That might've been his only chance to be worth more than his wife. Correct. So <laughs> I mean, there's just, that's my point is there's just, there's, yeah, yeah, we could go around. And yeah, around. But it's just so, it's so funny. I, I, I think the internet wins. Um, totally. And it was a great day to be on the internet. Oh, totally. And uh, the memes, the anger, the jokes, the. I mostly just, saw jokes. I didn't see a ton of anger. Like I saw people being like, well, this is oh, I did. There but... was a ton of people with the moral high ground part of like, oh, and then, you know, they try to tie in Trump's and different oh, things. And it's that. just like. Relax. It's the game of golf. I mostly saw like the live players responding. They and think this is like the Trojan horse that's going to like. It's not. <laughs> I, my favorite, and I'm not a big fan of like mean humor just as like a rule, but, uh, what? I, like, like my whole South life is Park and shit like that. Yeah. Ask my husband. He's like, you can't, I, I don't like people making fun of people for just funsies, but, uh, just for funsies. Brooks kept. That's what I think is the best part about memes is it's, it's, it's for fun. It's not meant to be personal. I well, but Brooks Kepka got personal. Like his tweet yesterday was welfare check on Shambly. Oh, <laughs> the greatest dude. I loved I watching. Okay. First of all, I'm a huge Brandel Shambly hitter. I hate him. Hate him. Oh, I don't. Have he a is the him. most fake. Just I'm gonna say whatever. If if I told him the sky was blue, nope, it's green, it's green. And let me tell you why. And you know, just a little pencil. And uh, I won't say the second part of that. <laughs> and so, like when he sent that out there, it actually was like one of the first tweets. Yeah. I was like, yes. It was like him and Phil Mickelson yes. immediately. Yes. <laughs> you you totally. And then, you know, Brandel's crying on Golf Channel or whatever he was on last night, crying. Oh, I'm God, like, I didn't see that. Literally cried. Oh. And I'm like, oh, my God. Get, come on. It's a lot. Such bullshit. It's a lot. He's doing that for ratings and looks and likes. Well, Are you kidding me? You think Brandel Shambly gives a shit? He don't care. He just yeah. wants to stay relevant on the TV. <laughs> I just, I, again, I don't like mean, like, I don't like poking at people, but Brooks Kevka being like wellness check on Shamley. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're brand, you, you, you could get behind that because if you were him, if you were Brooks Kevka, Brandel has gone after him. Totally. Like him and Phil have just gotten murdered by yeah. Brandel Shambly. So, you know what? 
don't go, don't go in the, don't go slinging mud if you don't want to get mud slung back at you. So yeah, those were the, <laughs> the social media posts were great. And I imagine when this episode posts, like Twitter will still be lit. So as we find out more, people are going to get more and more into this. Um, okay, let's move away from live because we did actually have other news. So there were two big things that happened and I'm, I'm kind of annoyed that all this dropped this week for one reason, which we'll get to, but Victor Hovland, your guy, you love, Victor. I love Victor. he won the Memorial in a playoff. He always looks high, but I think um, it's just his face. Yeah, it's just his face. Definitely just his face, uh, but it's just funny because he just looks high in every does. picture, but, um, kind of makes it tough for me to take him seriously sometimes, but I do like him. I like his swing. I kind of like his attitude. I like his kind of swagger style. And, you know, he's had a little trouble crossing the finish line. Sure. Um, no, I mean, he's what? I think it was the fourth win. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, also keep but in mind. But he just he's had a couple major team. closer, close calls and just hasn't quite closed it. So it was awesome to see him close one, especially in a playoff. Yeah. Um, and then he tried to troll. So Jack, it was Jack Nicholas's event, right? And he tried to troll him because of the schools that they went to. And he like got halfway through the joke and was like, I can't say this to your face. V- Victor went to like Oklahoma state or yeah. something like that. They were basically I don't like really understand. Cause didn't, didn't Jack go to Ohio state? I don't really know why, but whatever. Yeah. They were basically being like, we're the OSU versus you. And he like, couldn't get through the joke. Oh, that's yeah, what he was going. Yeah, yeah. I missed that part. I saw that he, he was like, hey, I don't want to hurt your ego, Jack, but I don't think many people in Norway know who you are. That's We're more of a skiing country. Probably true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but then so he won, and then literally the next day, so Memorial Day, that Monday, he went and caddied for a friend in a U.S. Open qualifier. So, like, he he won some hardware and then, like, flew to go No, he didn't fly. It was in Columbus. Was it in Columbus? Yeah. I thought he actually had So Columbus has the, I think it's the biggest, so there's a bunch of Monday qualifiers. Yep. They call it the longest Monday in golf. And this is where across the country they have all these qualifiers for yep. the U.S. Open. Columbus has the biggest because of the event there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like 103 or 113, 103 or 113 golfers Jeez. playing for 11 spots. So it's the most spots because most places you go, it's two, yep. three spots. So a lot of people like going there. Like actually we had an employee, Bryce Emery, who goes and plays in that one. He makes it to that every year yeah. and plays it. He shot one over for two rounds. So he wasn't anywhere close, but he made it there and he got to play with some That's big awesome. boys. So it's cool. Um, but long story short is, is he literally just had to drive down the road. So I don't know why I thought he had to go to Florida, but either way, it's just, yeah. it's cool that he was like, Hey, I just no, there's, big there's thing. some in Florida. There's different qualifiers wherever, but yeah. the, he was in the Columbus one. Okay. Cause That's I followed cool. his guy who actually, I think finished plus three. So our guy beat him. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, whatever. it's It was one of his college buddies that he went there to. There was a guy. Did you see there was a guy I believe in the Florida qualifier who qualified and he hits all his chips one handed. So I saw a headline about it, but I didn't read the story. Yeah, I'll be honest, so I don't know what yeah. the details are. But um, well, apparently we're going to see him in the U.S. Open. Well, we'll probably never see him. He'll probably never make TV. Oh, oh you yeah. know what? Maybe they'll pan to him if he it. does a one-handed chip. Maybe just to see the novelty of it. Yeah. Um, so that happened. And this is why I'm annoyed that they dropped the live news this week. Like you couldn't let women have one week. First of all, June is women's golf month, which why the fuck couldn't you have given us any of the other 11 months that doesn't have father's day in them? Like, come on guys. But then, so Rose Zhang, who is a badass 20 year old, like amateur golfer, she made her LPGA debut um, last week and she won which yeah. is the first time in 72 yep. years, I think. Yep, 72 years since that's she happened. She won it. She didn't even make like a birdie on the final 18. Yeah, but that's because she went into it so like, yeah. you know, she was already doing so well. Um, And like her interviews were, this girl's 20 years old. She's a baby. And she was like, well, super she's just great. the next big thing. I mean, you look at it. What, um, what was, uh, 
who was the last big phenomenon? She was with PX. Why my brain is. Just, I mean, we've had Michelle, we've had no. Lexi, we've had oh, who was the Corda Sisters. We've yeah, had, but who was right before the Corda Sisters? Um, Indy Park. No, right before her. Uh, God, she ended up falling off the face plant. She's kind of back now. Um, whatever. She was like seventeen and did this for like three years. It's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, oh, man, it's gonna drive me nuts. I'm forgetting names, <laughs> but. Anyway, it's great to see that she's going to be probably the next up and coming LPGA star. And um, yeah, I agree. It was a good, it was a good story. And it, yeah. it, it kind of got, Y'all I don't know, it had, legs, <laughs> or it had legs. Like I saw her everywhere Sunday on, you know, online. I saw her everywhere Monday online, but then you're right yesterday. Kind of annihilated. annihilated. Couldn't give us everything. seven days. Y'all come on. Yeah. Um, I did see one fun fact though, that so like just for context to understand how big of a deal this is, Tiger finished in a tie for 60th when he debuted. So like she debuted and won Tiger Woods inside for second. Yeah. I was like, that's really cool to think about. Um, we oh okay. So this is a little bit closer to home. So for those of you guys who I don't didn't click on this, okay. Well, I'll just tell you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so John Daly and Paige Brannick were supposed to do a Beauty versus Beast um, like exhibition tournament, if you will, out in Lake Geneva. We were actually supposed to go to it because that's kind of our backyard. It's like a two hour drive from where we are here at headquarters. Um, the morning of the tournament, John Daly stood her up. He stood her up. So, so like she had all these tickets sold and it was a charity event and stuff like that. It's not, it's not a huge deal. She raised a lot of money for charity. It was great. Um, but he like told him the morning of, well, didn't he, he just have surgery or something? He, he did, but like they'd been talking to him all the way up to this point. What oh, happened okay. was he missed his flight. That's literally what happened. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, they kept, they kept saying that he was like, oh, he wasn't physically able to, da, da, da. no, he missed his flight. Also, why are you flying in the morning of, come on, bro. Like, because <laughs> well, he's John Daly, he's John he, Daly. he didn't really want to do it, and he did it. And- Maybe not, but so they they ended up um, like Jerry Kelly, who's like a Wisconsin legend or whatever, ended up playing with her. So it, it's not like the tournament didn't happen. It did. Yeah, but I feel up. like John Daly and Paige Sporanic together would Amazing. be a scene. Yeah. Also R rated. I feel like yes. Like he'd be oh, talking yeah. about he like would make all kinds of comments that you shouldn't make. Yeah, it'd be bad. Um, I I really bad in to all go. the best ways. Maybe. Um, she's all about that persona and she owns it. But yeah, they, um, speaking of Paige, actually recently Golf Digest published a really in-depth um, piece on Paige about like her career and her trajectory and, and how she basically turned a failed pro career into what she does now. Um, so I highly recommend you guys go and read that. Club Champion is mentioned. I'm also quoted randomly, which is like, I didn't expect my debut in Golf Digest to be <laughs> talking about how great Paige is, but I'm here for it. There you go. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that happened. And I mean, really nothing like it's all been dominated by Liv. We don't have a lot of other news. So um, what about Club Champion news? Demos? Well, we don't have any new stores yet. Those will be towards the end of the month um, and beginning of July. And then there's a whole slew of them coming yeah. for the back half of the year. So we're not stopping opening stores, even if we're not talking about I it know. this minute. It is about to get very spicy on the store opening front. But anyway, on demo front, obviously a little slower time of the year, but um we just put in VA uh, Composites, which is a great shaft company uh, mm-hmm. that we we uh, have in our stores. They have a new offering called the Sinister. It's a very cool looking shaft, cool yes. name too. Uh, it's a little bit more of a player's profile. I'm going to say it's kind of like a mid to low launch, mid to low spin, kind of firmer profile, but it's really cool. And they're going to have uh, drivers, fairways, hybrids, irons, and we have the full line in the stores. They've been testing very well. Um, so you can check those out. Um, our friends at Oban, um, they have the Asawa Gold, um, which they've had for a while in the woods. They came out with a hybrid shaft. It's a really nice profile. It's very smooth, easy to get in the air, but not too spinny. 
Um, and so it's done very well in the woods. So we decided to bring it in on the hybrid side. And then KBS, which you may or may not have seen online, have a new graphite butter shaft. Everybody's getting in the putter shaft business. Yep. Uh, their TPS 120, it's a 120-ish gram putter shaft. I actually have it in my putter uh, last couple of weeks playing around with it. And I've been a stability guy forever, and I still love the stability. Don't get me wrong. But I was really, I've been really impressed by this putter shaft. It feels great but also kind of has that more tighter dispersion. Like you feel like you're not getting these like wild hot putts, especially on lag putts for me. I feel like it's just very controllable. What I think, what I think KBS did really well is they offer it. I don't even know how many colors they, I think it's That's six, what I was going to ask you is what color eight. you have. <laughs> I have the turquoise one. Okay. On what, what's the putter head you have on it? Uh, it's actually a tailor-made truss, Japanese release. So Ooh. I don't really want to say it because I don't know if you can really even get you it in the States know. much. Yeah. But it's a tailor-made truss, Japanese uh, black putter with the turquoise. But in the stores, we're going to have the white, the red, and the turquoise you can look and test and, and play around with. And the fitters can show you how that whole works or how the uh, putter technology can work for you. But if you haven't checked out putter shafts and people kind of make fun of me, even when I play golf, they're like, really a putter shaft? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, 25 years, there's been a couple things that have come to me that I'm like, okay, this is like something I never thought was real and it's real. Yeah. And I've said this before, putter shaft technology is real. For sure. I feel like it's just been this overlooked thing forever and it has way more to do with your ball speed control, which has to do with your speed control on the greens mm -hmm. than people give it credit for. Yeah, there's arguments that it helps roll the ball better and all that. That's where you kind of lose me because that's nitpicking. It's like, does that really help the average golfer play golf? Like if you have one rotation better? Sure, but it's not probably noticeable. Sure. What I can tell you is noticeable from a guy that plays pretty average golf, a five to seven handicap. My distance control with a aftermarket, you know, putter shaft because the torque so much tighter, everything about it is way better control. Sure. Way better. It's way. And I got actually Arcos data that I show people sometimes because I do use Arcos. Yeah. And so I can show if I'm using a before and after switching putter shafts, how my speed control just improves big time. And in a putter shaft, when you consider how minute details impact a putter stroke, like you would want everything you possibly can in your arsenal to keep that control. A hundred percent. So definitely that. Now, the last big piece I'm sure people want me to talk about is the Titleist T100. There you go. Yeah. Our T series, I should call it. And so that's uh, it's obviously been two years. So in August, it'll be time for the new Titleist irons to come out. They've already started showing them online so we can talk about them. <laughs> Uh, you're going to have the new T-150s, uh, or you're going to have basically the same line. Instead of having a T-100 and a T-100S, you're going to have a T-100 and a T-150, okay? And so basically you have kind of a more, the T-100 gets split into two worlds where you have kind of your player's T-100 and then something for somebody who still is a you know mid to lower handicap that wants something a little small, clean, feels great, but has ball speed and forgiveness. That's going to be that T-150. The T-200 doesn't change a whole lot except for the back um, is still covered. But before it had this like kind of weird sound. And if you kind of like flicked it with your finger, it sounded plasticky and mm -hmm. gross. Um, I'll just be honest with you. It's a great iron, but it just sounded weird. They fixed that. It's a much more solid. Like I, I thought it was great. And then the T-300. Am I saying this right? T-350. Sorry. I'm getting off. T-350. Um I actually think that iron might be the biggest improvement too. 
because it used to be just a big old cavity back, kind of, my opinion, ugly. <laughs> they closed that in like the T100. It's fair. It still has all the forgiveness in the world for the player that needs it, but just so much, you know, better looking. I mean, mm. the, it's in the bag. The sex appeal of it's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, those demos will hit the stores for another, let's call it ooh, a month, mid-July mid sure. demos. Um, then sales won't start till August. So you're going to have to kind of, everybody's going to have to slow the roll. But uh, they're out there, and so people are going to ask, and we'll have the demos as soon as anybody else, and they'll be out there. But it's not going to be more till like, mid-July. Fair enough. Um, the only other thing we have going on is, by the time this is posted, we'll be in the middle of our Father's Day gift card promotion. It's super limited this year, you guys. So basically starting on... Um you know, this weekend, um, we're going to be offering a 20% bonus card on your gift card purchases. So if you want to get dad like an awesome gift, you get a little bit extra for him to be able to put towards his fitting or his equipment or whatever he wants to use a gift card on. Um, but keep in mind, this only goes through June 18th. So this is one of those things where if you hear this and you know, you hear it before June 18th, you got to take your um, opportunity to go and grab that bonus gift card because that offer is super, super limited this year. Now we're going to take a quick break and then we are going to come back with the foundation of PXG, Bob Parsons. So we're back and we're joined by the uh, founder of PXG, Bob Parsons. And I'm excited about this interview because I've known Bob since I think 2015, 16, or he'll tell you exactly when PXG started and when we started selling PXG. And uh, I just think he's an out of the box, unique thinker, who has a wild, vast background of entrepreneurship and and just interesting background. So I'm really excited to get into this. Bob, thanks for joining us. You know, it's absolutely my pleasure, Nick. Thank you, brother. So, Cassie, where do we want to jump in with Bob? Do you want to oh, talk about his background or do you want to, you know, the many lives he's lived or what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah, so I think we should do a little bit of that. So, Bob, I mean, if you I mean, you've lived so, so many lives. So um, I think maybe we'll just kind of narrow it down a little bit to golf. So if you want to kind of tell us about your career in golf and anything leading up to that career outside of the golf space that maybe drove you towards founding PXG. Well, uh, you know, a couple things did, guys. Uh, uh, first, uh, yeah, I grew up in Baltimore, and uh, my dad was an avid golfer, and he played at this little muni in in Baltimore called Clifton Park, where you know if you played in the evening, you know one of the uh, hazards was getting mugged, shot, robbed, you know that sort of thing. And uh, I mean, and you know, right across the street was this uh, bar named the Volcano Lounge. And uh, uh, Baltimore Magazine one year named it the meanest bar in the city. And the way it got to be the meanest bar, it had, uh, you know, everybody was neck and neck with shootings and all that sort of stuff. You know, Baltimore's a tough town. But there's one thing that separated this bar across from Clifton Park, the Volcano Lounge, from everybody else. It was the only bar where a guy sitting at the bar sipping a beer was shot in the back with an arrow. Oh Nobody God. could compete <laughs> with that. So anyhow, that's Baltimore, guys. So so anyhow, my dad used to take us over to Clifton Park, me and my brother, when we were little. And I'd say, you know, at like the five, six age. And uh, he'd give us each a salt, a salt shaker. And, uh, you know, we would we would swing his big ass golf clubs a few times till we, we lost interest. And then we take these salt shakers and we chase rabbits. And he told us the only way to the only way to catch a rabbit was to put salt on its tail. 
well, this is better than a video game. I kept us busy all day. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, when I got older, I said, Dad, well, you know, what was the deal with uh, a salt shaker and a rabbit's tail? He says, well, if you're close enough to put salt on his tail, you can just grab it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to use that with my kids tonight. I'm going to be like, hey, kids, here's some salt. Go chase some rabbits. Gonna, <laughs> that actually sounds like it's going to work. I think. Well, I, actually, actually, they'll come back and ask you for a refill. That amount of salt. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Uh, you know, I, I, I grew up around my dad and. Uh, you know, he, he played a lot and I, you know, and I didn't play with him until after the military. And then, uh, my goodness, I didn't play until I would say in the, in the early nineties, late eighties, when I, I had founded a company called Parsons technology that did shrink wrap software. And we started making some money and, uh, me and some of the executives took up golf together at the same time. And, um, you know, we would, uh, you know how that goes. You go out, everybody's terrible. And over time, you get a little better. And so, you know, when we first started, we would go out uh, Wednesday afternoons and play. Then it was Wednesday afternoons, Thursday mornings. Then it was Wednesday afternoons, Thursday mornings, Saturday, Sundays. And then and then we'd go, We, you know, whenever somebody say, hey, there's a, uh, a convention or there's a, a, a big show going someplace. And it'd be, we'd always go if it was someplace warm. We'd go and we, we might we might put our heads in the door, but we'd mostly be on the golf course nearby. A lot of times never even set foot in the, whatever the seminar was or convention or show or so forth. So that's how I became an avid golfer. And then in um, uh, my gosh, and then I got to the point where with GoDaddy, when GoDaddy started uh, turned the corner, I uh, uh, started buying golf clubs to maybe help me get a little better. And uh, I mean, I buy everything made. And then I had uh, the guys at Cool Clubs. I'd have them, you know, I'd get, a, get an iron, have them shafted six different ways, and, you know, drivers, same thing. And and I got to know it, but I, I spent a lot of money. Nick, I'm the kind of customer you dream of having. Oh, no, I remember Mark Tim's over at Cool Clubs. He used to tell me the stories, and I love it because that's, hey, that's how we started at Club Champions. Same thing as dedicated golfers spending a lot of money trying to chase a dream. Yeah, well, I was I was chasing it, never quite caught it. Uh, I should I, I should have used the salt shaker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, any anyhow, so that's that's how I, that's how I got into it, and then you know it got to the point where I was spending two two hundred thousand dollars a year, two hundred and fifty. You know, I I, I thought, and and then in uh, twenty thirteen, I bought. A, a golf course and named it Scottsdale National, and have since put 320 million into it, and it's a nice place indeed. Uh, and at that time, I also had uh, somebody approach me and mentioned that uh, Mike Nicolette with Ping uh, might be available. So you know, I, I talked to him about you know what it would do it would take to truly make a really good golf club. And I asked him, I said, Mike, how, how come in the whole industry, and, and this is no knock on Pink. Pink's good company. They make good stuff. But, he's, you know, I said, how come nobody's golf clubs are tr significantly better than they were on the previous generation? And he says, well, we do the best we can, um, you know, but we got cost constraints and time constraints, price points we have to hit, that sort of thing. So he says, it's kind of tough. 
And I said to him, suppose you didn't have time constraints. You didn't have cost constraints. You could spend as much money as you wanted. You could take as much time as you wanted. Could you make something significantly better? And he said, man, I sure like to think I could. And uh, that was the genesis of PXG. And so, you know, I asked Mike, I said, well, look, I'm going to start a golf company that does that. And, uh, and uh, you know, and maybe I'd like you to, you know, come come to work for us. And he said, I could never leave Ping. And I said, people have just been so nice to me. So so we talked a bit more and then and then he left. And I, I told Steve Gabay, who's my right hand guy, I said, Stevie, I'll hear from him within three months. It was a month. And he called <laughs> me and he goes, first question, he goes, if I join you guys, how long do I have to really produce something better? And I told him, I said, 100 years. And because uh, he had truly no time constraints. Well, uh, he joined us and, and three other guys from Ping joined us. And uh, and then uh, I had more that wanted to join us, but I, I wouldn't take any more. So in uh, Arizona, it's one of the few states that enforces a uh, an agreement not to compete from an individual where they can't go out and continue to, to earn what they're, you know, doing what they do. So I hired these guys. And then for the first year, they did things that were, uh, uh, you know, not in conflict with what they were doing at Peng. They worked on a golf ball. They worked on 3D printing. And uh, and then they did crazy stuff. Like, as they come and told me, they said, you know, we want to see how far we could hit a golf ball off a three-foot tee with a frying pan on the end of a six-foot shaft. Answer is about 400 yards. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, you know, that's good to know, guys. How's it help us? And they go, we don't know. <laughs> but there you go. I probably should have had them wax my car. Uh, but at the end of that year, they sat down and they, you know, they had their, uh, their, their notebooks and they said, what are you looking for? And I told him, I said, I want a club that looks like a, uh, a blade, but performs like a cavity back. Uh, I wanted to something that launches higher, goes further, has a sweet spot the size of Texas, and feels like uh, hot butter on 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 uh, warm cornbread, <laughs> and uh, it feels just nice and soft, and looks sexy as can be. And they said to me, "Is that it?" Yeah. I said, I said, that'll do it for starters. I'll let you know if there's any more. And so they they went to work. You know, they, they had a number of starts. And, you know, I mean, you know, the starts were like like any R&D operation. You know, we did a club, you know, uh, went forever, you know, felt like shit. Uh, we, you know, and uh, on and on. We did a three-wit. The three-wit, I hit it the first time. Man, that thing went. It was easy to hit. Second time it collapsed. It was it was the industry's first disposable three wood, and I don't, I don't think there's much of a market for that, do you, Nick? No. Uh, no. Well, maybe we we we. But no, if it went really far, <laughs> yeah, well, it did. <laughs> but uh, I don't think uh, there's far enough as far as that's concerned. So anyhow, and then one day, you know, we you know we got the idea all talking together, and we collaborated on everything. Um, uh, of uh, looking for, a, you know, a thin club face. 
and and, and putting in a a a material to back it up, a filler, which which we we use as this uh, we call it now export two, what we use, which is like it's a fifth you know generation, and um, so uh, they you know they did it, and then they called me and said, Bob, we just had a breakthrough, and what a breakthrough it was. And I mean, it, the club did everything, and you know, we put them to Ryan, sent them to Ryan Moore, and Ryan Moore said, "I'm gonna put them right in my bag," uh, and uh, and he did. We told him, "Well, you're gonna need to wait till we get it approved by the USGA." So anyhow, there you go. So he was he was first pro to play with them on tour, and he absolutely loved them. And that's and that's the rest of the story. We just kept on, kept on, kept you know, kept on. Keep it on, and you know we've we've held that uh, uh, promise that we made is that every generation of clubs that we make will be significantly better than the last. And now we've had before in Gen Five we had the thinnest club face in the industry, and now our Gen Six club fa- face is is fifteen uh, percent thinner than that. And uh, you know you would think that when you know you have that type of trampoline effect. With the way we do it, that you might sacrifice some accuracy. Actually, it's more accurate. So uh, there you go. That's well, I'll say this: you know, when when P when Bob and PXG first came, they hit. You know, I've been in the industry twenty five years, had stores for twenty five years, and there's very few brands have come in and made a splash. And and I think that for that Gen One was something so unique that we hadn't seen that kind of performance to everything he wanted that dream boat golf club. Right. Everybody always wants that. Right. Like he's talking like a customer cause he is a customer. Right. And that's what it is, is, and he got his golden goose and and that's what, and we sold the crap out of it because it was, it was that good. People come to me, they go, ah, it's so expensive. I go, well, money's relative to what your performance is going to be and your enjoyment on the golf course. And so, you know, it was unbelievable. And I can say the generations have been great. Although I will say, Bob, this new Gen 6, for me, has that feeling of that first Gen 1, where it was the from the first hit, and I've heard a lot of my customers tell me the same thing that have gotten them. It's that the first hit, they were like, this is different. This is different than anything else out there. And I think that's a testament to your your approach of we're not going to worry. Yeah, we got to pay attention to the business. But at the end of the day, we're going to make sure we put out a great product. If it costs time and money, we're going to do it and do the right thing and and, and make a great product. And it's it's awesome. Well, you know, our, our Gen 6, our Gen 6 clubs carry the uh product uh, name you know we call them gen six but they're 0311 and uh 0311 is the uh marine corps uh <laughs> uh code for a uh, rifleman and uh, i carried a rifle with the marine corps during the vietnam war i'm still nuts today because of it and uh uh, you know, I can I can tell you that's a salute to my brothers and to the Marine Corps. Uh, Semper Fi is uh, is what that 0311 is. And the interesting thing is nobody recognizes that, but a Marine when he picks them up knows it instantly. Yeah. No, I think that you actually segue perfect into our next question, which is, you know, you've used your 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 service and your Marine status. Uh, the things you learn during your service to really guide your life is what it seems like to me. And I've heard before from you. 
And I think that's an interesting, some of the things you learned. And I would love you to tell, I mean, I'm sure viewers could see it or, you know, listeners have heard it before, but I always think it's great. All the things that you either salute to um, your brothers and sisters out there in the Marine Corps services, but also, you know, the learnings you took from that and used it to build your business. I mean, talk to us about it a little. Well, you know, Nick, everything I've ever accomplished, I owe to the Marine Corps. When I when I was a kid in school, you know, I, I'm a terrible student, terrible student. I failed the fifth grade. I tell you right now, nobody could ever take that away from me. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I was uh, uh, not doing too great. I was in my senior year. I I, I discovered the opposite sex in booze. Not too good for graduating high school. So I was. Uh, I looked like I was going to repeat, repeat again. And I, I or not, yeah, I was going to fail this, my senior year, but I, I had two buddies come to me in gym and they said to me, Hey, Bob, uh, we're, we're going to go down and talk to the Marine Corps recruiter uh, after school. You, you want to join us? I said, sure. Well, we went down, all three of us joined. And, uh, uh, you know, when I, uh, the Marine Corps told me, they said, you know, we're going to, we're going to check your check your grades and that sort of thing, and I thought, oh Christ! Well, you know, when when the day came and I went to the Marine Corps recruiter's office, the guy said to me, "I sat down, I'm waiting to hear you know, your grades are terrible." Um, he said, "Robert, we think you'll make a fine Marine," <laughs> and, and so I went and showed all the teachers my my orders, and they all passed me. Uh, now, now to put all that in perspective, in in the uh, uh, Afghanistan war, uh, the casualties every week are about 150 killed and wounded both sides, which is an, uh, one is too many. All right. When I joined the Marine Corps and went to Vietnam, the casualties per week was 33,000. Killed and wounded both sides. So, I mean, that war was rocking and rolling. Well, my teachers knew all that. I didn't know any of that. Uh, and, and I don't know that it would have troubled me too much. So, anyhow, so so we, all my teachers passed me, graduated from high school. Eventually, August rolls around. Three of us are in, you know, go to boot camp, come back. Uh, my The two guys I joined with was, Charlie Mason and Aggie Sorokas. Now, Aggie, his mother owned the bar. She got in an argument with a patron. Aggie jumped in the middle. He was stabbed to death. That was that 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 was um uh so he never made it to Vietnam. Like I tell you, Nikki, Baltimore tough town. That is Baltimore tough. Uh, yeah. And so uh so Charlie and I went to Vietnam and uh Charlie went to I think he went to first Marines and, and they, I don't know exactly where they were operating, but I went to the 26 Marines, uh, Delta company first battalion. We were operating off Hill 190 or his race paddies as far as you could see. And, um, that was, uh, it, it was quite a deal. Uh, there was all these little farming villages on one side. And our job was to keep the North Vietnamese out of there and the rice out of their hands. And then in the jungle, which is, you know, whoever was, you know, just whoever was moving around, that's who you shot at. Um, and, uh, you know, when I when when I got to my squad, um, I found out that uh, uh, I was a replacement for one of the replacements for four Marines that were uh, uh, 
five Marines that were wounded, killed or wounded. They had four killed, one wounded uh, the couple of days before. And uh, the, the, the new squad leader, the guy that was in charge then, been there six weeks, just turned 19. Turned out to be excellent. So anyhow, you know, that's all, all, all that is uh, the genesis. I've seen my first combat. I wasn't with him five hours. And uh, eventually I got wounded walking point, going through a village, walking second point anyhow. And um, that's my Marine Corps story. But the genesis of the story there is that ever, after that, everything I ever accomplished, I owed the Marine Corps. I came home. I eventually went to college, graduated magna cum laude. I'd have never done that without the Marine Corps, Nick. I took the CPA exam, passed it the first time. I taught myself how to program a computer from a book I bought while I was uh, visiting the Stanford campus because I had time to kill. Uh, I mean, stuff like that. So everything I've ever accomplished, I owe to them. They taught me discipline. And discipline, not in the sense of punishment, although there was plenty of that, uh, but discipline in the sense that if you had a job to do, you didn't have to necessarily like doing it, but you had to do it and you had to do it to the best of your ability. They taught me that responsibility is sacred. If you make a commitment, you honor it. And uh, you, so people can rely on you. And they 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 taught me that um, I could accomplish far more than, than I ever thought I could and that I had a right to be proud. That's the Marine Corps. So everything I've ever done, I do with uh, what the Marine Corps taught me. I love that. That's, that's a long-winded that, answer. That, well, no, I think it's great. I should re- I'm going to replay that for my kids. They need to hear that too. Discipline. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> responsibility. You know, looking out for your brothers, sisters, everything. It's just it's the it's great. And I love that you carried into business because you know I have a business. You've had many businesses. Uh, that's kind of you know the right way to go about it. It can be very successful if you do those things. It's not hard. It just takes discipline. That's for damn sure. I wish I had that discipline on my diet, but uh, eh, we'll figure that out someday. Uh, I'm, working, I'm working on it too, Nick. <laughs> so, you know, switching directions here a little bit. I mean, you know, brands come and go in golf, okay? And I've seen it over the years, and you've seen it over the years, whether you've been in the industry or just a consumer in the industry. What advice do you get? Because, like, we, we, we try to talk about, like, the golf business a little bit too on this podcast, and somebody who's interested in golf, somebody who's interested in being an entrepreneur in the golf space, somebody who's interested in being just working in the golf space. You got any advice for him? You got a lot of advice. You've been around the world a lot. What, yeah, what yeah. My, my first, my first bit of advice would be to pick another industry. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that coming. Perfect. <laughs> oh, golf business is a tough goddamn business, brother. All the businesses I've ever been in, it's, it's, it's the toughest, but that said, you know, as long as long as you follow certain things, you can do it. You know, the first thing you got to have a love for the sport. You you, you have that. You're uh, you know you got a head start. My father always told me if you love something, it tells you all its secrets, and uh, and that's that's true. Uh, and then also you you tend to work harder at it. Uh, so, so that's, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing, if somebody wants to be successful and they want to, want to start in a business, they got to do whatever job they're given as best as they can. And, and that's how you learn. And, and, uh, uh, and then also how you get noticed and you get your breaks. Uh, 
And then when they get on and they become an entrepreneur, uh, should they, you know, then, then they have to remember that, you know, there's the first thing, it's all bad enthusiasm. You got to have enthusiasm for the, for, for what you're doing. And, um, and enthusiasm, you've got two groups you got to charge up. You got your employees and your customers. And what do we know about enthusiasm? You know, when your employees have it, they're charged up, they're excited about being being with you and they feel like what they're doing is special. Well, that is that enthusiasm's contagious. And then that goes to the customers. And the customers charge up each other and people that you don't you never reach otherwise. And uh so I mean, you know, that's that's my big advice right there. You know, I, I got into this business because I was told at 16 by PGA Pro that I watch these pros go back and forth between these tour trailers at the Western Open here at Cog Hill, nah, 96, 97. And, um, you know, they're getting tweak and tweaking their stuff. And I'm sitting there as a 16 year old with high aspirations of maybe I could be a golfer someday. And I asked the pro, I said, Hey, what, uh, why, why aren't, why isn't anybody else I ever see doing this except for when these guys come in town, they're like, ah, not good enough. Ah, won't spend the money. And I'm sitting there as a 16 year old, I'm working two jobs and going to school just to pay for the golf habit I got. Now I go, I pay for it. Why the hell are we selling everybody short? And so, you know, my love for golf is what made me so successful and I wasn't going to be denied. And you, you know, you obviously have that, but that's my advice too. Is you got to be enthusiastic. You got to love it. And you can't be afraid to do anything with it. It's, you know, at the end of the day, if you fail at something you love at, it's not really failure. So my opinion, at least, but. You know, I, I, I agree with that too. And, you know, you know, I, I got to tell you, I have failed so many goddamn times, it's hard to count. Uh, <laughs> and, but that's the way I learned. And uh, you, 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 you learn by, you know, screwing up. And, and uh, you know, there's no manual. There's no manual that we have on what to do and how to do it. All the business books, that's all bullshit. You spend your time reading those, reading those. I mean, you're better off with a Playboy magazine. You know, we learn from our mistakes, you know, and all my businesses, our biggest periods of growth always followed our biggest stumbles because at the stumble, we realized what the hell we were doing to get in our way. And then we, we made changes and boom, out we went. Yeah. Amen. I love that. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, felt, hey, I needed to touch the hot stove to learn not to touch the hot stove. Didn't matter what mom and dad told me. If you can take your failures and learn from them and be okay with it, you will be a successful human. I can guarantee that. And I know you believe that too. Well, here's what I'll tell you. Not only be successful, you'll be filthy rich. <laughs> <laughs> love it. You heard it there from a guy that has uh, done it himself. So let's talk a little bit about PXG products right now. We talked to, we alluded a little bit. I mean, you guys make everything. I mean, you got the the clubs, obviously, the clothing, the apparel, everything. I believe your wife's the one that's involved in doing that. And then you got the golf ball that you just launched, which I think a lot of people were like, wait, they're launching golf balls. But I always joked, I go, well, they did that first, actually, but they just never launched them. But Talk to us about the product lines and stuff like that a little bit and what gets you charged up. Well, I mean, our, our, our product lines, you know, we have the 0311 uh, clubs, which is our Gen 6. And uh, we have them. We have our Extreme Performance, which is uh, will enhance anybody's game. And, uh, and, then, and then we we, we have our 
our uh, our our X, which is our players uh, edition, and as for a little better player, almost worked the ball a little more and that sort of thing. And um, and then and then we have our O three seventeen line, and our O three seventeen line are pretty much irons and uh, irons and wedges, and 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 what they are, they are. Uh, you know, we we've been asked time and again to make a pure blade, uh, and that was one with no filler, and uh, has a has a smaller, much smaller sweet spot. So uh, we've went ahead and engineered that, uh, and uh, they stand tall next to any other blade. I'll tell you that. And then we we also did a pure cavity back with no filler, uh, and uh, you know we have some people that some customer that love that. So, uh, so, so we got those two. Uh, we we've got our sugar daddy wedges. Our sugar daddy wedges. Well, I'll tell you what; those things are spinners, and uh, they they, com- they uh, comply with uh, USGA guidelines. But because they're one hundred percent milled, we go right up to the edge of the guideline. Where if you know if it's uh, just a forged wedge, uh, you're not going to be able to do that. Uh, because you need a, a, a margin of error. Uh, I'll back you up. Those things spin like motherfuckers. Also, uh, tell come on, where, where did Sugar Daddy name come from? Where, where, I got it. I don't think I've even heard that story. Well, <laughs> here it is. So I, I like to give everything a military name. So I said I was going to call our wedges uh, uh, Sierra. And we did our research, and somebody somewhere had the Sierra name. Well, they beat me to it, and I said, "Bob, they said, Bob, we need a, we need, we need a name, and we need it in like like three hours." So first, first thing that popped out of my head was Sugar Daddy. I don't know why. <laughs> and they go, and I said, "What's well, called Sugar Daddies?" And they go, oh, "I don't know." <laughs> I said, "Look, just do it. It doesn't matter." And uh, so people <laughs> love the name, and uh, that's 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 where it comes from. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the name came out of my shorts, Nick. I love it. it, it, it hey, it sticks. People ask about it, and like Sugar Daddy. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a conversation piece. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I could duplicate the same sort of name for the rest of our products, and I, I've tried to do that, and uh, uh, every attempt was an utter failure. <laughs> well, you learn. Well, what do we learn? You're learning. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm learning. We'll have another successful sugar daddy was a good name, buddy. <laughs> Bob, do you have any insights? So we we started that talking about the golf ball, but so for the extreme premium line, now that it's out and people are talking about it, do you kind of have any backstory behind that? Because like obviously, golf ball is kind of a super crowded space, and most of our customers kind of assume that Titleist has a stranglehold on it, but that's not true. So like, how did you feel launching a golf ball line? You know, you know, I did, I did. You know, I I wasn't interested in launching a golf ball unless it was a high performer. Wasn't a high performer. I mean, I, I I had no interest. Took took the better part of ten years to get there. Uh, so uh, when 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 we tested these uh, the the Pro Pro V One and Pro V One X, the new ones. Uh, I mean, we're we're within a yard distance of both of them. Uh, and then with spin, we're just as good. Uh, dispersion, just as good. And uh, I mean, you know, so. 
you know, if a, if if a yard is worth it to you, spend the fifteen bucks. If it's not, you know, spend ours. And I mean, and ours uh, from a standpoint of accuracy is one hell of a ball. It it feels softer. It uh, it spins good around the greens, and the players that uh, hit it love it, and uh, they damn well should. Uh, I mean, that's all. That's all we play, and all the guys I know play. Uh, pretty soon, that'll be the only ball we sell at Scottsdale National. And uh, somebody said, "Well, I need another ball." I was, you know, good luck to you. Yeah, as you uh, say, it's your club, your rules. <laughs> you know what? There it is. There. Oh, you, you know, by the, by the way, Nick, you know, most golf clubs uh, have uh, golf clubs, meaning country clubs or that sort of thing, uh, have a lot of rules, a myriad of rules that you need to adhere to. At Scottsdale National, we are probably probably one of the most elegant and fun and beautiful courses in the country. Uh, and it's 730 acres. It's just gorgeous. And uh, uh, nobody's ever in front of you or back of you. And we have one rule and one rule only. It's only one rule. And that is no member shall interfere with another member's good time. So I've had the pleasure of going there a couple times and play with Bob. And I can tell you, it is beautiful. It is relaxing. And it is a fun time. <laughs> it has everything you need right at your fingertips. Yeah, so, no houses on a golf course. None. It right? is amazing. That's a story for a different day, but he spent a lot of money on a lot of dynamite to blow up a lot of things to create a very awesome topography. And it is incredible. It's like a paint. Well, thank you, Nick. <laughs> now, I'm at a club here that we have similar rules because I'm with you on this. I'm at Black Sheep here in West Chicago or Sugar Grove, Illinois. And uh, we also we have we have actually three rules. One is you can't walk in the clubhouse with a hat on. OK, now we have no dress code, so you can walk through naked, but don't have your hat on. So hang your hat on. You know what? Um, no, no cell phone, no talking on the cell phones in the clubhouse. And then the third is, again, it's the same rule you have, which is no impeding on another member's fun. You have four rules. Women are not allowed there. You have four. Oh, rules. Okay. Well, that's the fourth rule. You're right. Yeah. You know, you're, Nick, I'm, I'm, I'm an honorary member of Black Sheep. Are you? I've, well, never, been, I, I've, I've never been there. You know, the guy who owns it. Vince Solano. And made me an honorary member. At least he did once. I don't know if I'm still an honorary member, but I've never been there. And uh, I got to get there one day. Oh, let's go. I'm in. I'm, uh, we'll get, Vince is still the owner. Um, the shit, he's 80 years old, I guess now, but, uh, he doesn't play much golf, but he's still the owner. He comes out and talks. In fact, I was just talking to him the other day, but yeah, it's a great place. So before we get into the yays and nays little category, which Cassie will take over. I mean, what's the future for PXG? Is there anything you want the listeners to know? Anything like that? Well, you know, what, what we're going to do, I mean, you know, we're going to, we're going to do more of the same. And, uh, you know, our, our, our goal is always to develop uh, uh, outstanding products, products that our customers, when they pick up and they hit, uh, you know, if they are existing customers, they'll be amazed at the improvement. And if they're not, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll beat the rest of the industry. So, you know, our, our goal is always just to continue to stay focused and remember what got us here and to, to, to do more of it. 
Love it. Bob will just continue to make good products. I know he will. <laughs> Next uh, time we talk to him, it'll be like, we're on Gen 17. Yeah. <laughs> He'll just keep going. <laughs> this club is going to take me to the moon. I, if there's one guy that's going to do it, it's Bob. So, yeah. Um, yeah. USGA, the only problem is, Bob, Bob, you'll have to just with the USGA might come after you make clubs that go too far and too straight. Well, then, then what I have to decide is what's the price of conformance? Yeah. <laughs> because... You know, we are up against, right up against the USGA's guidelines on Gen 6, irons, uh, and, and our driver and, 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 our, and our other club. So uh, what we have to do is we have to figure out uh, how we're going to improve and uh, to continue with that way. And, you know, there's always like, for example, you know, now now that we're there in distance and, you know, that's primarily what the USGA is concerned about. Well, then what we do, we work on making them even that much more easier to hit that and achieve that distance. And uh, because, you know, that's that's what golfers want to do. Golfers just want to get out. They want to play a good round. They feel good about, and they want to be in the middle. They want to be right with their buddies, and uh, you know they want to have fun. And that's what it's all about. Agree. You guys ready Take for care. some? Take yeah. Care. Yeah. Yays and nays. Yays and nays. So Bob, we go around the horn, and we I'll give you guys a couple topics, and you give me yay or nay, like or dislike, and then we can talk about why. So Bob, we'll start with you. I think I know the answer to this one, but um, yay or nay unique iron finishes so like black irons blue irons copper irons and so on yay yay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you know we're, we're we're starting to do that and uh customers uh customers it resonates with them for sure everybody, everybody wants to be a little different for sure i'm, I'm waiting for you to come out with a camo like somehow you have like laser etched like camo print or whatever that'd be really cool <laughs> i think we already have that you got some on the back yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, I know you like it, but what's your take? Oh, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge yay. Typically, I'm more of go all black out everything, which I think Bob's on board for, too. Um, but I'll occasionally like there's been some blue clubs come out occasionally. I thought were cool and had and there's been some copper that I thought was cool. But uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. I Going back to all chrome is tough for me at this point in life. <laughs> it's just too boring. That's <laughs> yeah, too boring. Um, I'm a yay, but I have some exceptions. I will never, ever, ever in a million years play copper plated irons. I, I don't what? care. I think they're ugly as shit. Can't do it. What about um, rust clubs? Unfinished rust rusty clubs. I'm okay with raw. I'm okay with rusted. I'm okay with unfinished, but that to me is more of a performance element of like, it gives you, it's a little grippier. I'm fine with that. And the aesthetic doesn't bother me. The aesthetic on copper is the ugliest shit I've ever seen. Like I can't wow. do it. I don't have that kind of feeling, but I get Ugh. it. I We've talked about this before. Cobra did the Ricky Fowler irons, and I was personally offended that Ricky Fowler, one of my favorite golfers, was like, yeah, played him in chrome. Or sorry, played him in copper. Like, you could have done chrome. Like, anything was better than this. <laughs> um, right, I'm going to wait, wait. Just wait, wait. I have to call my R&D function and tell Brad to cancel the copper irons. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I mean, there's so many other, like you could do rose gold. That's something I've never seen. And people are obsessed with rose gold right now. You could do like, if you can do blue irons, you can do greens and purples. Like, come on, like something other than copper. <laughs> Go to the Asian market and they have a ton of rose gold golf clubs. That is true. That is true. Yeah. But I mean, like, I don't know. I, I think, a, I think some PXGs and rose gold would be sick because you have the black accents on it too. So it like, I don't know. I think that'd be cool. <laughs> 
Um, okay. Next topic, Bob. Yay or nay, Women's Golf Month, which is June. Yay. Yeah, you guys are running a special, I think, and we we do some stuff for women too. So that's awesome. Yeah, and, and for women's golf day, we gave every all the women off that day and uh held a, uh, a golf tournament at Scottsdale National, plus a special luncheon, and it was uh, all on us. Uh Nick, what the fuck? I know that sounds awesome. <laughs> I had to work. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, yeah, that, you he one up me on that one. Uh, Nick, I'm, Nick, 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 I'm sorry for mentioning it. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, well, well uh, next year I'll learn, Bob. I'm still learning <laughs> on these things. Um, that was a failure. You know, you know one thing, getting back to special finishes, we have a special finish that we're doing of our Gen 6 XF iron, and it'll be our limited edition. I'll I'll, I'll text you a photo of what they're going to look like. Uh, nice. A little tidbit. So uh, PXG lovers, uh, make sure you're looking out for that because it's coming. Love it. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of Women's Golf Month. Okay. I know because I'm at an all men's club, people, blah, 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 blah. I love women playing golf because I feel like they're in the same position I was in 25 years ago where somebody said you weren't good enough or, it was, you know, you're not going to spend the money. You're going to do whatever the saying is, and it couldn't be farthest from the truth. And um, I think that they just get over the women get overlooked way too often on equipment and their uh, knowledge on equipment and everything. And so I'm a huge fan of it and anything to promote women getting fit and playing better golf. I'm a fan of I'm, I'm obviously a yay um, women's golf <laughs> month. The only thing I'll say, and I said this in an earlier segment, women's golf month is in June, which is father's day. Like y'all couldn't have given us any of the other 11 months, anything we could have done. There could have, we could have done it in May, which is mother's day. Like there were so many other options here for this. (laughs) Well, who came up with it? I have no idea. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's been around. So since before I started in the golf industry, because we celebrated it my first year here. So I don't know if it was like a USGA, I don't know, but anyway, I'm a yay in concept. I just wish it was any other month, but June. Um, all right. So Bob, Yay or nay, golf visors, because I know PXG sells them. Yay. I mean, if you know, if you like a visor, wear it. Do you uh, wear visors? Uh, well, I don't I don't wear it because the top of my head's thinned out a little and I don't I don't like it burning. Uh so I wear a full cap. Um but uh back when I had a, a mop of, a mop of hair on my head, I used to wear a visor. Okay. All right, Nick. I'm a meh. I, 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 so here's the thing. I don't care. I'm not going to judge you if you wear a visor, but I'm not wearing a visor. Just, I don't think, I think it looks good on certain folks and doesn't look, I think it looks terrible on certain folks. I am one of those people. It looks terrible on now sure. put a bucket hat on me and I, like a golfer's bucket hat, not like the like Australian weird looking things, but just like a normal, like a sailor would wear. Right. That's more my style. Okay. All right. All right. Now, now Cassie, yes. take a look at your phone. I just I just texted you a photo of that Ooh. new iron finish. So obviously we can't we can't give too much away, but it's very similar to what I just talked about, but in the reverse. And this is super sick. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. And it's it even yellow, it's yellow gold. I and I think you could literally do this. You could have a rose gold version of it too that would look just as good, but this is super sick. Like you don't expect the f- to the branding to be flipped like this. This is cool. 
I like it. And so we're going to have to, Nick, we're going to have to have these in all of our stores now because we're talking about it on the podcast. So this has to be a demo. Limited. I think they'll be limited, but I bet people will probably be able to order it. For sure. Well, yeah, you know, we haven't decided, you know, I, I think we're, we're going to make um, something like 1,500 sets for the world. And then when they're gone, they're gone, baby. Ooh, there we go. Well, you know, um, super cool. I love that. So for visors, for me, I'm a big nay. First of all, I don't really wear hats in general. Um, I have huge ears. So when I put a hat on, it just makes me look like Dumbo no matter what I do. So I'm not into it. But anytime I see a, a man in particular wearing visors, I immediately think of Ian Poulter with his like spiky, you know, 2008 you know, frosted tips or whatever. And I can't, I can't get that image out of my head. So not a fan, but if it's something that looks good on you and it, it keeps the, you know, the sun out of your eyes and you feel good, great, go for it. <laughs> All right. Yay or nay for you, Bob, the good stuff, which is Phil Mickelson's coffee brand. Phil Mickelson's coffee brand. Yeah. Uh, not interested. Nay. <laughs> <laughs> do you, Bob, do you drink coffee at all? I do. I love coffee, but I, I drink Kona coffee. Okay. Gotcha. I've heard that you like tea or mushroom something oh, or is another. The mushroom coffee, I think is what he's talking about. Yeah. 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 I've heard that. No, no, not mushroom coffee. I like psychedelic mushrooms. Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> so why don't you fly out here? We'll go to Black Sheep and we'll do that. There you go. <laughs> and take psychedelic mushrooms. There you go. That would be a <laughs> wild day. <laughs> that would be a wild day. There's no question. Uh, it'd be, you'd be saying Bob disappeared. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. His shirt's here. He wandered <laughs> off. <laughs> um, Nick, do you? How do you feel about Phil Mickelson's coffee brand? I don't know anything about it other than I know he sells coffee. Uh, so I guess a, a met again, because I don't know. Um, I'm a simple man that drinks simple Folgers, so I don't... I don't know. A lot of people joke. They're like, oh, you pick up. I see people walk around with Starbucks, all this stuff. And I, whatever, if that's what you want to do. I have a coffee maker that goes off at 430 in the morning. I pour myself a cup of coffee and away I go. Yeah, I I'm a nay for two reasons. One, I don't drink coffee, so I just do not care. Like this is not a product that was ever going to appeal to me. Um, but also like his reasoning for starting the brand, I think is kind of annoying because it was back when everybody was talking about how good he looked and he dropped all the weight and all that stuff. And he was like, well, it's because of my coffee diet. Okay. I, that's a dumb reason to start this brand. Um, so I'm not, What's I'm not Ozempic. Ozempic. I don't think he's taking injectable weight loss drugs, but I don't know, man, Phil Mickelson is a wild cat. So like, who knows what he's doing? <laughs> um, I, he, I will give him credit. Because I've been watching him, you know, play golf or whatever for years. He looks pretty good right now. So, like, good do for him. People, do you th I don't know anybody that drinks that. Not that I sit there and ask people about their coffee. But I, I wonder how he does with that company. It'd be interesting to know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, he, he does look good. And he does look thin. And he does look in shape. Yeah. I liked him when he was fat. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah. <laughs> There, there are a lot of reasons to like him back then versus now, but we'll, I digress. So the last yay or nay that we have, um, in context for our listeners, uh, Bob is a big fan of Harley Davidson and motorcycles. Um, there is a Harley Davidson of Scottsdale out there by him. It's huge. It's amazing. And it has a tattoo parlor in the actual Harley Davidson dealership. So Bob, yay you or nay. Bob owns that, right? I, that's why I'm bringing it up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, yes. So Bob, yay or nay tattoos? 
I'd say, yay. You know, I've got a, I've got enough on me. Most of them I have on, I have them on my left arm, right arm, on my back, and on my ankle. And okay. um, my wife said, if I don't slow down on it, I'm gonna look like a comic book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. I love um, that. Yeah. So, so I like, uh, I like tattoos. The one, the one I have on my back covers most of my back. That's cool. Uh, and it is a, uh, it is a, a skull with the Vietnamese flag imposed over the, the face of the skull with the dragon on top of it and the Vietnamese dragon. And it says, um, well, what the hell does it say? I, you, know, <laughs> you don't look I, at it. You're not looking at your back often. So yeah. Yeah. Any, anyhow, it says Vietnam 1969. Mm. And, uh, wow. Uh, so anyhow, so I carried out war on my back and so I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of tattoos and usually what'll happen is I go ahead and auction a Harley off at a charity auction, which I donate. And then it, it always includes a tattoo. And, and I always tell, I'd say, all right, whoever buys this, if you get a tattoo, I'll get one with you. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> so I'm usually in the chair next to him. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's, That's amazing. All- Nick, he's like w- wiping the floor with you right now. You gotta like you gotta start giving away Harleys and tattoos. Yeah, you gotta I come on. My game. It's okay, I get it. <laughs> um <laughs> I, Nick, I know where I got Nick too. Yeah. Um, I'm a yay on tattoos. I actually have zero. Um, I hope to maybe get one. I have a problem choosing what I would do as a big guy. I, I feel like it'd be tough. I got to make it right. Otherwise it's going to look really weird. Sure. sure. I'm a huge fan of like the, when somebody gets a really well done, like arm sleeve, then I, I think it's really cool. It's, I would love to do that someday. We'll see if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's expensive and it's time consuming, but it always looks so good. Um, I'm a big yay. I, I actually have one tattoo. I got it when I was 19 and I still love it. It's on my back. Um, I have plans to get many, many more because I'm one of the people that like you get the first one and then you kind of have an itch for the next one. And then the next one, the next one, same thing with piercings. I have a lot of piercings. So I'm definitely one of those people. I also find tattoos incredibly attractive, um, on just other humans. So I enjoy looking at them because it's just like a fun, unique body art scenario. Um, so I'm a huge yay. Um, awesome. Well, Bob, thank you so much. I know you spent a ton of time with us, so we'll let you get back to your very, very busy schedule, but we appreciate you. We appreciate PXG. Our customers love testing the products and we love sending them home with PXG products as well. So thank you so much for what you do and for spending time with us. And thanks for all you you do for me, guys. You guys are the best. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Fits with the Founder. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to support our show. And if you want more equipment content, follow the Club Champion and TXG content teams at TXG, a Club Champion brand on social media. Come on, come on.